Mr. Kate Snow, Mr. Kate Snow, Mr. Kate Snow. I'm glad that you try to make it match, but well, that's because there's this horrible lag. <laughs> it's not the lag that's the problem. It's the lag. You can hear the music fine. Nope, without the lag. The music's lagging. I promise the music's not lagging. It's 100%. If Bill and I were here, he would say to you, he would look you right in the orbs of your soul, and, and he would say, say science rules. <laughs> Him and his friend, Neil deGrasse Tyson. They're buddies. Neil deGrasse Tyson's a pretty good guy. Yeah, like yeah we, we like Neil deGrasse Tyson. What? Hey, is her mic on? Will you is turn her on? mic on? Don't have me on yet. There we go. Turn me on. All right. Well, yeah, we're on. did Misty K. Snow just ask me to turn her on? I think she did. <laughs> hey, this is. I think that just made Chris's whole entire we, crappy day. Yeah, it's been a really bad day, uh, but it's it's only going to get better because we are talking with Democratic's candidate for Senate, Misty K. Snow, uh, coming off her debate from last week. Yeah, fantastic debate, Misty. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, everybody says I did really well, and. Yeah, we did a lot of preparing for it, but I mean, after six months of interviews, public appearances, and I did have two debates during the primary, I, I think all of that really helped me prepare uh, for this, and I knew going in this would be the most important day in my campaign since April 23rd, uh, when I was at the convention and forced, uh, forced my primary opponent into a primary. So, would you say that probably the pivotal element of all your preparation was in the... Um the practice debate you did with this crew right here. Uh, well, we, that was that helped. I mean, you know, like we did like earlier in the day, we did a like a mock debate with uh, Keenan, who helped me do debate prep. I'm like, as like Keenan was harder to debate than Mike Lee because my because Keenan had been working with. He knew what kind of he knew what I was going to answer. <laughs> he knew how to come back at you. That is one thing that surprised me from the debate. Oh, by the way, everyone, this is uh, this is the snow reporter, the snowstorm. I don't think we ever really decided on a firm name. I, I like snowstorm. It's been snow report is yeah. like what you've been using on the scene. Yeah. So uh, we are the new Utah podcast. Uh, Josh, Jeremy, Jessica, and myself. Hello. And each week we. We talk to Misty K. Snow and talk about uh, different things going on in the election, uh, topics that, that she's passionate about, uh, what she's going to do for the state of Utah. And uh, what I was saying is, um, you know, the uh, the debate, I was surprised that there weren't uh, more back and forths between you and Mike Lee. Like a, a lot of stuff you guys disagreed on, but there wasn't a lot of you know, point counterpoint type of debate that we see a lot of times in those debates. Um, you guys were able to, to really get across your message in, in just, you know, one good, succinct, you know, one minute, one and a half minute speech. Yeah. You'll each, so the debate format is that there's each question, you get 90 seconds to respond, and then you have an opportunity to, uh, for a rebuttal, but because. So you don't want to waste time on rebuttals for questions you don't want, you know, like the ones that are less yeah. important to you, because it's a 55-minute debate, and you know, so you have to look at going in, 55 minutes, probably 10 of that's from the moderator and the questioner, so I got 22 minutes of airtime. I need every one of those minutes to count. I can't. I don't want to waste time getting into issues that are less important, yeah. like what we're talking about. Uh, like, there's this one question, like, what do you think about bipartisanship in the government? So I just kind of used that moment to talk about paid maternity leave. Yeah. Like, this is kind of a waste of time question. I was actually really kind of hopeful you would have brought up his voting record, because I think that was one place where you could absolutely go right at the throat of, of Mike Lee. Um, you know, he has a voting record that suggests that not only does he only vote across party lines, um, but 
he votes even against the rest of the Republican Party in his own little segment of uh, stupid Tea Partyism, ultra conservatism, and and I really haven't seen him cross that line. Yeah, uh, well, know, I mean, he did support like criminal justice reform, but I mean, I did, you know, some of these issues that I was hoping that would come up was be like women's rights or like the Flint crisis. I mean, you know, so I just like so I use my uh, closing statement to bring him up, where you know. Because he spoke, because bef- I had the last word. I won the coin toss, chose the last word. I'm like, I'll bring up anything that didn't come up in the debate in Mike Lee's record, so he doesn't have a chance to respond to it. So I use that moment to. He voted against the Vasquez Women Act and he blocked aid to Flint uh, during the water crisis, forcing those children yeah. uh, to drink water, poisoned lead, and uh, bathing water, contaminated lead. So. Well, and I, I think it was actually really cool that you got both the initial speech and the ending speech. So yeah. it kind of started. So it was really weird because I won the coin toss, so I got to choose if I wanted the last word or not. So I chose last word, and then Mike Lee, he got to choose. If he, wanted to, he chose to go second, which I thought was weird. Mike, you're letting me go <laughs> yeah. first. Right? Yeah, I thought that was weird that you got both. I wondered how that happened. Yeah, he, so. he chose to go second in the beginning, so I guess he wanted to see where I Maybe came he from and wanted how to, to try respond. and put in some answers. Didn't understand you, how it worked. Maybe? Yeah, do you think he was like. Debate? Well, what I realized, like, about halfway through the debate is that Mike Lee's debate style is that he wants to try to find as much common ground as he can with me to, uh, cause, yeah, so, look, so the people are like, well, there's not much of a difference between them, so I'm gonna vote for the exactly. incumbent. Exactly. That was what his I debate thought. strategy, so I think it's good that we had, and that the party actually nominated someone who wants to draw contrasts, uh, with Republicans, uh, someone who wants to agree with Republicans on everything. Something else that was interesting was, if, and if you go back and listen to it, was, uh, the way you both used the language. He was a very political, I mean, you would know what he was talking about if you were in government all the time and you were just very, your words were real. Yeah, he used jargon. It was, yes, that's the word I'm thinking of. And, you know, you're just straight to the point and you could, you could really tell a difference. Yeah, a lot of people really liked the way I talked. I mean, that I didn't sound uninformed on issues, but I mm-hmm. talked in a way a lot more people could relate. And I think that helps. And I, I, I see, I feel that I probably moved the needle that night. I think there's a lot of people who were, you know, still undecided and they're like, oh no, Miss TK, oh, she actually is for the people. And that's the mess I need to I get think, across. I think ultimately Mike Lee was surprised that you knew what you were talking about. I think that blew him away. Yeah. Well, he, he hasn't taken me seriously this whole campaign. Yeah. He hasn't done any campaign. He hasn't run any ads. He's like, you know, a lot of people, this whole process, like, at the convention, in the primary, everyone's like, well, she just works at grocery store. Like, what can she do? What does she know? And, and every time, people get surprised. And You uh, know what people buy. That's what like, you I know. I know the price of milk. <laughs> <laughs> I, you I know mean, their secrets. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was extremely surprised. Um, I, I was in that camp of, ah, man, I just don't know that this person can cut it. And the first time that I had the pleasure of, of sitting down and talking with you, it was a no-brainer. You knew what you were talking about. And when you didn't, you were able to go out and find that information very quickly and, and it was just it was very eye opening and very wonderful to to have that experience and to 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 see how smart you are yeah it's, it's always been a fast learner as like every every employer i've had every boss i've had every teacher always said as a fast learner and i liked and i spent a lot of time reading current events i tend to be uh, well read and keep myself informed on issues and i think that 
really helps me, and I also have a really good ability to remember. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Um, so we wanted today, Misty, to talk, um, you know, obviously a little bit about the debate because uh, that was uh, that was fun to watch for all of us, I think. Um, but we also wanted to talk about um, some other topics maybe that we haven't been able to talk about as much um, and, and why people should vote for you. Um, so we, we kind of have a little bit of a list. I mean, we've talked about some of this stuff at least. But um, I'd, I'd like to start with uh, maybe getting money out of politics. What are your thoughts there in, in terms of money in politics? Yeah, so money in politics is a huge problem. It's been a problem for a long time in this country, but it's gotten worse in recent years after the Citizens United decision, after the McCutcheon decision. You know, it's created a lot of, like, it's removed a lot of the barriers for political spending. We now have independent expenditures where there's really no limits, and I think that kind of corrupts the process, and I, I think we're honestly in danger of losing our democracy if this, if nothing changes soon. Because now there's so much money being spent in politics that a lot of our elected officials are becoming more and more beholden. They've already been beholden to the money dish, but now it's becoming even more so. And I find that very dangerous, and we need to really... Uh, pass some serious campaign finance reform laws. I know there's this one idea from like represent.us called the Anti-Corruption Act, and I think you know 80, 90 percent of that stuff could be, could potentially become law. We could advocate for like in Congress, but a problem though is that we saw the Citizens United decision. The Supreme Court can always strike down those laws. So what ultimately needs to happen is a constitutional amendment. As a senator, I can advocate for that, but whether or not we pass in the Senate, you know, even just be raising awareness for it. Uh, giving a voice to that issue uh, raises public awareness, and I think the best way to actually pass that constitutional amendment would be like uh, doing it at the state level. Maybe do like a constitutional convention under Article Five of the Constitution. Try draft amendment, have it ratified at three fourths of stages, go around Congress because Congress, it's been a unfortunately, while these people like are that. beholden to these money interests who don't want to see. I changed the status quo, and well, it's going to be hard to get it through Congress, but advocating for it, because C-SPAN, a million people watch C-SPAN, apparently. That's what I was told, because my debate was broadcast live C-SPAN. Like, yeah, that has about a million viewers. I'm like, oh, okay. That's so, I, I guess so. I used to watch it in my hotel room when I would travel a lot, because, uh, I, I mean, this this kind of stuff is, is really my wheelhouse in terms of interest, but um, one thing that's very clear is unless we replace... Uh, the, the people in power. It does take a constitutional amendment. It does take legislatures to actually make that change for campaign finance reform. Um, we've seen that it's, it's never going to change unless we basically just replace everybody. There are very few people, uh, in the Senate, in the House that actually push campaign finance legislation. And people like Orrin Hatch, um, you know, Mike Lee talks a big game, but I haven't seen any finance, you know, uh, legislation passed by him or, or even attempted by him. I think in the uh, Senate, I think the only two that have really talked about it are uh, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts and Bernie Sanders of Vermont. It, exactly. Two so of the more two liberal, of, yeah, two of the more liberal you senators. Need, like, uh, you need at least 51. Yeah, you, you need at least half. And for an amendment, it's two thirds, right? Uh, well, yeah, it's like, but like even to get like a bill, any kind of bill for campaign finance, you'll need 51. So. Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's a big deal that's a big challenge um but uh I, I just don't see mike lee doing that ever even though in the debate mike lee talked about he wants money out of washington but you know it's clear the guy's running for his second term um he's just adding to the money in washington now, he's, he benefits a lot from money in washington he got he has a lot of money from the fossil fuel industry from the pharmaceutical industry from the financial and investment industry 
aka Wall Street. Um, he has a lot of money from Coke, the Koch brothers. So yeah, he's 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 a huge beneficiary of the system. So why would he want to change it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so let's let's move on to something else. So we've we've briefly touched on L- LGBT issues, and I think I think that uh, you're reaching the millennials, but I believe that locally you're going to have a lot of people in that community having your back. Why, like, what are you going to say to them that is really going to make them vote for you besides you are the first, well, Utah's first transgender Senate candidate? Well, I mean, if you watch the debate, we actually had this really uh, strong exchange on LGBT rights. And I'm just, you know, it's, I care, I want everybody to have equal rights. And people always talk about how we balance our religious freedom. Like, religious freedom is like every other right. It ends where the rights of other individuals begin. You shouldn't use religious freedom as an excuse to discriminate. I'm so glad you said that. I actually, when you were debating, I live tweeted that quote. It was probably my favorite thing that you said the entire night. Is yeah. that your your freedoms end where the rights of the next person begin or something yes. along those lines. I mean, that's a very well-established vacuum. You know, also the first, you know, freedom of freedom comes from the first man. Also, the first man is freedom of speech. You can't not yell fire in a crowd theater. The Supreme Court has ruled on that because it endangers the safety of others. Yeah. And when we're talking about, like, you know, interracial couples, the Supreme Court has ruled you can't discriminate against a couple because they're interracial. So, you know, 14th Amendment has equal protection. By the same standard, you should not be able to discriminate against the same-sex couple. So it just seems, we, I, you know what I said, that line, I got all these huge applause, like, I encourage everybody, I encourage all, like BYU or any other religious school, uh, to treat all of its students, including LGBT students, with equal with equality because it's a loving, humane, compassionate thing to do. Yeah, and that got you some applause. Yeah, the forbidden applause. Applause, the, applause that shouldn't yeah, be done. I mean, and there's a BYU on LGBT rights and religious freedom, and it was, I got this really loud round of applause, which you're not supposed to, they're not supposed, they're not supposed, supposed to, supposed to, to applaud. applaud until the end yeah. of that debate. Well, and I mean, if you, if you watch the other debates, you know, even presidential debates, I mean, when they do applaud, when they do laugh, it's very seldom. Um, and those are the, those are the points and the moments in the debate where you know they've said something that's, that's catchy. Unless you're Donald Trump and your supporters are in the room and they laugh at some <laughs> jackass statement you make. It's just crazy. So, uh, but I mean, really, it was, it was fantastic to hear you say that. My question along those lines is, how are you going to get those people out to vote? Because traditionally, you know, uh, that group of, of people, the LGBTQI community, um, Millennials, they suck at voting. They they yeah, are really bad. We've been working really hard. So on on a Saturday, we actually have this uh, text banking party where we are looking. We got through vote building. We pulled up all the cell phones of eighteen to twenty five year olds, and we're going to text message them. Text message like vote for Misty K. Snow. She'll be the she's running to be the first millennial in the U.S. Senate. She'll be a voice for your generation. Learn more at MissKSnow.com. Because you only get 160 cool. characters. Yeah, but we're like targeting 18 to 25 year old cell phones. That's a that's a fantastic idea. I mean, these that is it is really the biggest thing. My my daughter, um, you know, she voted in the primary. She was really excited to do it. You know, for the first time, she's very active politically, uh, and she was happy that her ballot was here when she came home from college this weekend because she was able to cast her vote. She was um, on the list. Yeah, she was on the list because we don't live in uh, Utah County. You know, trying to keep the uh, poor people down over there, <laughs> not doing voter you know mail va- mail ballots. So, which is always crazy. Like, why don't we have electronic voting via the computer? Like, the amount of fraud that occurs is so small, and we send out ballots in the mail. How can we not do electronic voting? 
Yeah, I think we'll get there eventually. But, you know, going by Mel, though, is, I think, a step up from where we always had to have everybody go to the polling place. you got to wait in line for several hours. Absolutely. And then you can finally cast a ballot. So having it vote by Mel, I think, also gives people, like, three weeks to look at who the candidates are. They can be well-informed, which is, I think, a huge plus. Well, a lot of people aren't informed on they vote. Like, they go to the ballot box, like, I have no idea who these people are. I'm checking random boxes. Yeah, I don't know who all these judges are. When you can go look at that voter information pamphlet and see that, you know, Judge Cho, for example, was the only judge on the entire thing that the committee said, don't re, don't reappoint her. Vote no. Like, it was like a seven to three decision to vote no against her because her performance standards are so low. But people don't see that. So people either vote yes on everyone because they don't know or no on everyone. Yeah, there's they don't some know. people I like, talk to like, well, I'm just going to vote no on everyone because they need new blood in the judicial system. And other people are like, well, I haven't heard anything bad about them and I wouldn't want to cost somebody their job. <laughs> and it's like, family, you know, judicial so. system, like the like, judicial system is one of those systems like, no, we don't need new blood there. Where we need new blood is the guys that make the laws. Like, you need to go look at every incumbent that's in there, that's in your, you know, in your local state house representatives, your local council, and if you don't like what's going on in the state, vote those people out. Because the judges don't make the laws. The judges, you know, for the most part, judges are pretty even kill. Like, they might lean one way or the other, but at the end of the day, they're just judges. Yeah, that's like, so I think it's good that people are more informed now. You actually, there's a lot of independent sites that have, like, ratings for all the judges on what they're, uh, what, like, you know, you can look at, like, their record, how they ruled on certain cases, and there's a lot of information out there. And, and now that people get the ballots of mail, they have more time to actually research that. I think that's good. Yeah. So, Misty, one thing I've seen in this election cycle that has been rearing its head more than I've ever noticed before are complaints about the Electoral College and how that system works. Um, with the With the specific power that you would be granted as a U.S. Senator... Um, what are your thoughts on the Electoral College, and how do you think, uh, are, are you an advocate for change in the, in the system, or do you like the system? And if you do, if you do advocate change, how do you plan on making a difference, even from the, the, the senatorial position? Yeah, so the Electoral College is an issue that, you know, the, I mean, I think the justification for even having it in the first place I thought was weak, and, and we've seen the problems with the Electoral College. I mean, 2000 was a, an election because, the person who won the popular vote didn't become president because the person who won the electoral college became president. And a lot of people had issues with that, uh, so I think it's a bad system. We should like we should elect our president by popular vote, but also this election, there's a lot of talk about. What are you saying? People worried? Are there going to be faithless electors because both the candidates are so unpopular? Are we going to have? Like Trump electors, like, oh, I'm going to cast my vote for Johnson. I know Trump yeah, won the state, yeah. but I could cast my, or are we going to have some Clinton election? I vote for Bernie Sanders, never Hillary, whatever. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. It's going to expect that that's a huge p- p- possibility this election because the candidates are unpopular and faithless electors have uh, been an issue in the past. And it would really suck there, if we there, end up having to have this issue where there's a bunch of faithless electors and it's decided by the House of Representatives. I mean, do you really want Paul Ryan picking our next president? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, I mean, that the Electoral College on so many levels is broken, but also the fact that they're, they're so invisible in general and they're so not accountable because they can really vote any way they want yeah. and they're not and they're not accountable for yeah, it. I mean there's some states that pass laws that make it like a like you a like a felony to vote against yeah, like, uh, vote differently than your like but you know you vote so the whole nation that we vote on uh, in our November to elect electors that are picked by that uh, particular candidate's team and those electors in December actually vote for president. Yeah, yeah. That's how this is decided. Well, and to be clear, I mean the electoral college system not a bad system in like 1840. 
right? <laughs> Not a lot of mass information happening in 1840. Takes days for stuff to reach the West Coast from the East Coast. Uh, but now we live in an age of instant information. We know exactly what's going on in Washington as it happens. We can watch C-SPAN. You know, we yeah, can see the debates live. Well, another issue to electoral college though is that uh, certain states are much more important because there's just the states. The only states that you see the presidents going to are the states that are close to the polls. I mean, yeah. How often do the Ohio. presidents go to California Iowa. or Texas? No, they don't. They go to Florida. They go to Iowa. They go to Ohio. They go to, <clears throat> go to primarily, Colorado, yeah, primarily Midwest North Carolina. States, you know, because that's where the vote matters. Because the way the electoral college typically works is. You get these all states the are my call, and these states are in her call. Only yeah. these nine states actually matter. Even though Utah is, you know, probably in most general elections, you're getting thirty to thirty-five percent of the vote for the Democratic candidate. Uh, you get all the red. You know, you get all the Republican stuff. Whereas if the electoral college is gone, it's done by popular vote. You know, overall for the nation, it doesn't necessarily change. I mean, it's only twice in in our history that the popular vote's been. Different I think than four the times. It's actually we've had four times. The most recent was in two thousand. Yeah, it was in two thousand. Uh, but I mean, a lot to you have to go back to before that. You have to I think you have to think you have to go back to the nineteenth century. Yeah, it's, three it's, it's forever, I think there's three yeah. instances in the nineteenth century. But it, it's just it's such a it's such an anomaly that it happens. But at the same time, you know, in a place like Utah or at a place like Texas, for example, um, you feel like your vote actually matters then if, if your, you know, electoral college representative is going to vote Republican anyway. A lot of people just say, well, why even go out to the polls? So yeah, I think that leads to low uh, turnout. Oh, absolutely. Uh, our, I mean, turnout in Utah is always uh, among the lowest in the country. And I think a lot of the elections aren't competitive here. So why bother <laughs> showing up? Well, look, even in, even in my local elections, you know, here in Kearns, uh, we have one person running for our council seat in Kearns. It's a new council, but there's one person running. There's a school district member running unopposed. Like, people should be running against them. We shouldn't have just one choice when it comes to these things. Yeah, Chris, you should uh, you should have filed a run for one of those offices next time so they're not unopposed. I, I actually, I'm really disappointed because I was with my daughter this year. I, I wanted to take her through the the primary of, of sorts and so instead of going into the caucus meeting um we stood in line to vote for bernie sanders um which was i mean really in retrospect kind of stupid but that's the experience that she wanted so i kind of gave up the caucus experience for that but i'll definitely be involved in the caucuses and, and hopefully be a representative for my area next you know next go around here in a couple of years so well, the caucus system, again, our, our political system is broken in so many ways because Utah came in so overwhelmingly for Bernie Sanders, and yet that was all thrown to the wind because of the all-or-nothing um, mentality of every step of our uh, election process. We've got to get away from this totalitarian sort of approach to... Um, everything, every level seems to have a, a binary response. It's either this or that. And so my question to you is, what are you going to do? I, I mean, with the limited power of a senator, what is your plan to positively impact this in the future? Yeah, well, that's not. I'd like to, like, that's what I was saying. We could try to pass a bill in the Senate to abolish electoral That one might actually make it through Congress, like in a constitutional amendment, but there are a lot of states who've, uh, been doing it at the state level, uh, but they call the National Popular Vote Compact because the state can't actually uh, give its uh, electoral votes like the way they want it, like however they want the state law. Like you see it in Nebraska and Maine are two uh, interesting examples where they they do their electoral votes by congressional district. There's a lot of states that say if a majority of the electoral college uh, does uh, goes passes the 
a popular vote compact at the state level. We can now have us sign all of our votes by a popular vote and essentially uh, bypass electoral college. Yeah, well, and, and and getting rid of the electoral college, I mean, ultimately means a, a state like Wyoming does not get as much power as it has. I mean, I know it seems small; they get three votes, but there's half a million people in Wyoming. They are the per capita most powerful voting yeah, your in voter, the country. Your voter power is <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Um, I want to talk on a, a couple more things, Misty, because um, we've talked about a lot of the stuff. We've, we've talked about you know women's rights, um, getting the minimum wage increase, getting paid maternity leave, legal marijuana. Um, but there's some stuff that you talked about in the debate even that I, I think is uh, is important um, that we haven't really spent a lot of time on. One of those is is really, and it kind of goes hand in hand, um, renewable energy and, and taking care of air quality uh and those are two things that we, we talked about briefly or you did in the debate but i'd like to hear more about your thoughts on what we can do there yeah so polling shows that the state of utah uh we're more dissatisfied with our air quality than any other state people are not happy about the air quality in the state and you know if you live in utah uh during the winter and any of our um Cities. Uh, I was like, say, I bet if you pull in January, the results are vastly different than if you pull like right now and yeah. in the beginning of October. But well, even October started. I mean, it's not <laughs> yeah, so it's bad starting. day because we had some rain, and but it, we we're starting. To yeah, but it's starting to do it. Yeah, but yeah, no December. Well, and even, e- e- even in the summertime now, right? We're 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 seeing really oh, yeah. bad air quality in July and August. It's showing up more and more. So I mean, it's just going to get worse as more people move to the valley, and we need to start making investments in a cleaner energy. We need to make these investments into solar, into wind, into greener transportation sector. Because the cost of not doing those investments is the health of our citizens, primarily our elderly, our children, our pregnant mothers, and that's a, and yet, those health problems lead to a lot of economic costs. It can also impact our tourism. You know, we're, we're a winter sport uh, tour destination, but a lot of people that come here in January go skiing, they look the air is like, gosh, next time I'm going to Colorado or yeah, something. Exactly, like, like exactly. why did I come out here? The air is terrible. I'm well, going elsewhere. And hasn't time. Utah even been, aren't we even in the middle of lawsuits from neighboring places yeah, so like Wyoming Colorado, Colorado and Arizona both yeah. sued the state of Utah this year over our coal-fired power plants, which produce a lot of air pollution, but also... A lot of air pollution ends up in their state boundaries, and they're suing us. You know, the state of Utah, we get about 79% of our energy from coal, which is more than any other state. Nationwide, it's only about 30% energy coal. So 79% is really high. Uh, so making some investments in cleaner energy needs to happen. What do you say to what do you say to people that you know when you talk about investing in clean energy and renewable energy? What do you what do you say to people that say you know well yeah but you know, Obama tried to do that, and we had a massive failure. We spent a bunch of money in solar, and these companies went under. Like, what do you what do you say in response to that? What, what's your response? There? Solar is one of the fastest growing industries in the United States of America right now. We can invest in solar. We can create new jobs and communities where we're building these projects. And it wouldn't. And it's not. And it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to do to build solar. I, I think it's a worthy investment, and it's we can create new jobs, and it's necessary for our future. I mean. Europe, uh, China, a lot of other countries, they're investing in cleaner energy. To, I mean, the green economy is the next, is the next thing. It's, if we don't start making these investments, we're just going to keep falling behind the rest of the world. And we need, so, if we want to be competitive on a global basis, so we need to, I uh, keep making these investments into new technologies. So if we don't develop the technology ourselves, then, you know, in order to move on that technology, we're going to have to go to ch- countries like China. Um, to to get that same stuff to 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 get the materials to get the solar panels and import those and that 
Yeah, a lot of our stuff, a lot of the minerals and stuff that we make and sort of actually are imported from China because they, you know, they're 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 because they're really spending the money on the research. They're, and they're investing. It figured out. The China is all, you know, they're they're the most populous nation in the world. They have a lot of air quality problems. So they're making they're making huge investments in China in cleaner energy because they're. I mean, Beijing looks as bad as, as bad as looks like as bad as Salt Lake City it's in great. July. Yeah, it's like ten. Their, their walls are more, or their air is more gray than my walls are over there. Yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty like, bad. Mean, yeah, Salt Lake City's air in July looks about as bad as Beijing or January. Sorry, Salt Lake City in January. It's, it's, as bad it's as very Beijing. close. It's very close. It's, it's very. very close. That's so. China is like, yeah, no, this we need to do something. So they take it seriously. They're taking it seriously. We need to do that here. We need to show leadership instead of being a follower. What about? I think maybe this will be our last one, um, unless you have something else that you really want to talk about. But what about gun violence? So that's that's constantly something that pops up. I'm, I'm surprised it's not a, a bigger topic. Um, Republicans really like to, you know, prey on the insecurity of people and prey on the, the thought of, of terrorism. Um, but what about what about gun violence? What should we do with guns? Should we take away assault weapons? Should we put restrictions on guns? You know, we had the Brady Bill. We had, you know, the the black tin, um, the 10 different essentially black assault weapons that were banned for a long time that have, have now been unbanned. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so we actually talked a bit about this one uh, during the debate, and I talked about how uh, polling in the state of Utah, uh, poll, public policy polling, I did a poll in August where it showed 81% of Utahns want a universal background checks on all gun purchases, but also 78% of Utahns want people on the terrorist watch list banned from owning guns. So these are issues that poll really well, and I think we could start, those would be a good starting point on what we could do. I think we should try to pass a bill where there is background checks on every gun purchase, not just most of them. Like when you go, what they call the gun show loophole, uh, a lot of people who go show up those gun shows, they aren't licensed dealers, and they aren't required to have a background, <laughs> do background checks on their gun sales. So if we close, so we have uh, universal background checks where individuals who want to sell guns can actually access uh background check and check the background people they want to sell guns to but i think that would um, help close that loophole but then when you talk about people like on the no fly list or terrorist watches like you know we aren't allowing these people to board airplanes because we're afraid they can uh, hurt a lot of people so why would we want them to buy a firearm it seems like common sense uh, you know so i think that'd be something we could do on the flip side though i brought up like a counterpoint though they're basically like, on the other hand we're okay with banning people who want to uh, who want to who use marijuana according to state law from uh, owning a firearm, even though like I think the people the terrorist watch list are probably more dangerous than the people <laughs> getting their medical <laughs> yeah, cannabis yeah. in California. People, people with known mental disorders but, are you know okay. But you're yeah. talking you're talking a huge list, and the problem is right now is is not terrorists. It's people with mental health issues, and you know how. Yeah, but I think what she says is a simple simple adjustment i mean it's not a, a huge change but somebody on but a mental health list yeah. isn't going to show up on a terrorist watch list no, some of them might, i mean you're on a terrorist watch list. i am on a terrorist watch list <laughs> this is, so this is not a joke she really, she really is actually on a no not on no fly list. no fly list so no fly list that's is actually real. a very small list yeah of only there's only like a, there's only like it's like a four-digit number of actual U.S. citizens on the no-fly list. It's a very small yeah, number. Yeah, we, we talked to a TSA guy this weekend, <laughs> and, and uh, Jess learned that she gets screened every time because she's actually. Anytime on watch I travel list. internationally for nine years, I will get. You're on a watch pit. list. Yep. Yeah, she's on the watch list. Yeah. So she would not be able to own a gun, probably, but she can get off that list. So. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. Yeah, I mean, right now she can own a gun. She can go buy whatever she yeah, wants. Yeah. So it's it's we're just well we're talking because these are issues that poll really popular. This is a way we could have a starting point. Let's let's try implementing. Let's try 
having universal background yeah, check search. Let's see and let's see where that does it see if that helps or if that helps the problem. If we still have issues, let's see that maybe we take more steps. Maybe talk about banning assault rifles. But I think let's let's close let's have universal background checks first. And let's see where that gets us. And we were all kind of chuggling when you were talking about uh, people buying stuff at gun, gun shows. Because we talked a couple of weeks ago. So we had a gun show like a month ago here in Utah. Which, by the way, they're, 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 like, every, they're, oh, yeah, they're, they're like every other weekend. Yeah, they're like every other weekend. Even she uh, said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the, it was the Rocky Mountain Gun Show, I think, at the Rocky South Mountain Town Expo gun Center. Show. And uh, some, one of the, one of the vendors cut the zip tie off the, the weapon to let a guy look at it. You know, the zip ties that are supposed to stay there so they can't fire them. Shot a pillar. Handed the guy a weapon that he had fully loaded. The guy racks around just playing with it. Then he realizes the magazine's in there, pulls the magazine out. There's bullets in the magazine. But then without clearing the chamber that he's already now loaded, he fires a shot inside of the convention center, hits the ground, it ricochets and hits two teenage kids. Yeah, that's. I mean, so, this so is that happens all the time at gun shows. This is the kind of accident that's totally preventable. I mean, people get killed at gun shows occasionally because it's just like, yeah. So, it, what do they call that? Natural selection. <laughs> <laughs> Second Amendment. Calling of the herd. Boy, howdy. It's just, no, it's just, so we what need it, to be smart about this. I, I want to follow up on that. Um, the big problem with uh, with any sort of lasting change that people want to uh, put in place around gun laws or these constitutional amendments like Electoral College is that at some point there's a huge corporation that is lobbying like crazy and has co- tons of money feeding yeah. into politics. And that's why we talk about money in politics. Why we need to get money in politics. Because I, 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 that, that's a big wall... That is impeding progress on many on issue after issue after issue. It's like, why can't we have a living wage? Why can't we have paid maternity leave for us? Why can't we have health care for us? Because every and every applied to those, there's a powerful uh, corporate corporate uh, influence lobbying marijuana. Even marijuana, I was just thinking about industry pharmaceuticals. That. Dupont's the one that started it it's back like, in the early know, 1900s for oil. That's what that's just, it's money in politics is what impedes progress on every one of these issues. I I agree, but here's the question for you. You are not going to make immediate change on the money in politics. I, I mean, because yeah. you're going up against an entire organization, an entire institution at this point. However, you can drive some change around these specific targeted items. Your your opposition is going to be financed by big companies and corporations not with deep, deep his. pockets. It is financed by these people. What is your plan to circumnavigate these deep-pocketed... Uh, uh, you know, adversaries. Well, I'd be one more uh, voice in the U.S. Senate who is against uh, money in politics. You know, if we keep making, electing more people, we can make progress, but there is a lot of bills. You can do make a lot of progress by passing amendments to bills. Maybe if it's a bad bill, maybe you can make it a not-so-bad bill by passing a couple of amendments to bills. Maybe you can make a decent bill a bit better by doing amendments. And again, when you're a Senate, though, you... C-SPAN records everything you do on the chamber floor. You can talk about these issues. You can raise awareness about these issues because everything you do will be watched by a million people. Well, and, and the other thing... And not understood. The other thing to by keep 999,000. One way that she makes a difference is she's not backed by big money right now. Correct me if I'm wrong and your financial statements will come out. Um, but you don't have any gigantic corporate donors that are no, backing I've, you. I've spent almost all individuals. I've had... Thousand dollars from Democracy for America, as like a, that's like so that's like like 
Ty, I think I had like a five hundred dollars from a that's like, big time money, pack. a, so a grand, fifteen hundred dollars from packs, yeah. and everything Ooh. else is individuals. So I mean, that is about well, as clean and I'm, I, money as it gets. Honestly, I'm really disappointed in the Democratic Party. I've actually sent a few emails uh, this this go around because I see emails about Utah Democratic Party, you know, trying to pump up Weinholz, trying to pump up Doug Owens, which I'm all for. Doug Owens is in my district. I'm I'm voting for him, um, but never a mention of Misty Snow. Which means the Democratic Party here in the state of Utah doesn't have faith that you have chances to win this election. I mean, I poll better than Mike Weinholz in almost every poll. My, my, I'm close. I mean, every poll, I've been closer to Mike Lee's, like a smaller margin with Mike Lee than Weinholz yeah, has been which, with Herbert. So. Which drives me nuts, which is why I've been emailing the Democratic Party. Because I think it's absolutely absurd that they, you know, they're doing fundraising for these other guys and not doing it for you. I get emails all the time. And, and never see your mostly name. does fundraising for themselves. They will name yeah. some of the other candidates, but mostly it's a drive fundraising for their own party. And the party does have, they have offered me some support. I mean, obviously I'd appreciate some more, but they view, the party views, I think, all their statewide races as unwinnable, which is, I, I think, it, on one hand, kind of self-fulfilling because you think you can't win, so you don't try to win, which leads to you <laughs> exactly. losing. And I mean, a Democratic Senate count in Utah has not passed 33.0% of the vote since 92. Not since 1992 if they passed 33.0% of the vote. And, you know, I think I'm going to do a lot better than that. I, I feel that I'm – I think I'm going to do better than that. And that will be a win in itself. Uh, 92, they had 39.7% of the vote. So if I can get 40% of the vote, then we then we change the whole game. It's like, see, look, Misty Case, no, she actually ran – on progressive issues, on issues that affect the working class, and she did a lot better than a lot of these so-called... With almost no candidates. support, and I will challenge you to this. If, for some reason, you don't win this election, Misty, I don't think Orrin Hatch is going to be able to run again. I think he will probably be dead before then, <laughs> or not be able to stand up to a podium. I would love to see you go after that, that Senate seat uh, as it becomes available. That will be a race that I think you have a much better chance at winning than a crappy incumbent like Mike Lee, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But I would love to see you run again if, for whatever reason, you lose this election. I, I would love to see that. Yeah, well, yeah, I feel like I moved the needle of the debate. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean, I, like a lot of people, I mean... I think like you woke have, a lot of people up that watch that debate. Yeah, well, that, I mean, a lot of people watch that debate. And I I mean, but last, last time I went to work, everyone's like, oh, you did so well. It's like, I mean, half my customers must have saw that debate because it's... They're all talking about it. And so. the answer to all of those people, if you're listening, is get out and vote. Encourage your neighbors to get out and vote. Encourage every family member that's of, of age 18 to get out and vote. It's all about turnout. It's all about getting more votes than Mike Lee. And I think Mike Lee hasn't ran a lot of time. He's not that popular. There's a lot of people who don't like Mike Lee. He actually canceled all of his campaign stuff. He did like, yeah, you know, I was like, he's like, I'm campaigning for Joe Hack. And I'm like, yeah, what I heard is that one of his mean greets, only four people showed up. That's why he can't <laughs> that's, that's boding well for you. Uh, and you guys can all still help Misty. She still needs the help. MistyKSnow.com, M-I-S-T-Y-K-S-N-O-W.com. You can get on. You can donate. I'm sure there's still volunteer opportunities. Um, anything you can do is Pizza helpful. party on yep. Saturday. Yeah, we have, a, we have an event on Saturday. It's at, the, at our office at 193 West, 2100 South. At uh, 1 p.m. to 6 p.m., we are doing like a text banking party. Uh, we're going to have pizza. If you show up, you're hungry. What uh, type of pizza? Uh, from Domino's. Uh, Jennifer has like a $100 gift card for Dom- Domino's. So we're going to order stuff from Domino's because we got mm-hmm. a gift card. Uh, but yeah, so just show up. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a list of there people to contact. We're working sponsors. a lot of lists of like millennial voters. 
I have, we're going to target the millennial voter cell phones, try to get them out to vote. I don't think she heard me crack that joke. Oh, I said, where are you going with your big corporate sponsors? No. Dumbbell throw it in a hundred bones. No, it's not. It's like she got this. Uh, this is just a gift card she won with through work for her, uh, for her job. It's her personal. She just wants to. Buy pizza for everyone so. because she's awesome. Because she never is awesome. And, she's and like and a I second mother to me. Properly. I, I I'm love not that do right now. She's like <laughs> maybe a, a third aunt to me, actually. In the short time I've twice removed, her. twice removed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a very sincere aunt. Yeah, but, no, but no, Ginevra is awesome. I, I said she's doing great. So we're gonna have pizza, and yeah, we just need people to show up, volunteer, and help us help us reach more voters. That's what we're doing. We're trying to really reach a lot of millennials and. The 18 to 25 crowd are the ones most likely to be undecided at this point. So if we can reach them and just kind of give a message, I'm a millennial. I'm going to be the first millennial Senate. I'll be their voice in the, in the U.S. Senate. Well, Misty, thanks again. This has been a great, uh, great evening. Yeah, thank you very thank much, you. Chris and Josh and Jeremy and Jessica. It's always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I, uh, I caught a little bit of a cold from the snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> No, I really didn't catch a call. Sure, it wasn't the hops. But maybe it's the hops. <laughs>